Welcome to the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. I'm Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. And we are from MakeMathMoments.com. And we are two math teachers who together with you, the community of math moment makers worldwide who want to build and deliver problem-based math lessons that spark curiosity, fuel sense-making, and ignite those teacher moves. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of the Making Math Moments That Matter podcast. And today, Mm -hmm. John and I are going to be riffing on something that's been on our minds quite a bit lately. John, probably one of the most common Mm -hmm. pushbacks we hear, maybe struggles we hear from educators, not just in education, but also I think in everyday life, we experience this too, right? Yeah. And I think it's got to be our biggest pebble. We talk oftentimes here on this podcast about pebbles in our shoe And it's no wonder that this is our biggest pebble is because we have so many things to juggle as educators. So that pebble that we're talking about here and what we're going to talk about in this episode is addressing this phrase that we all say on a regular basis that we don't have enough time to blank or we don't have enough time to bring this into our program or I don't have enough time to call parents Mm -hmm. that don't have enough time phrase, I think has to be used the most out of educators on a daily basis. So we want to talk a little bit about that because we're going to talk about how to create more time. When you ask educators in a professional development scenario or experience, and you say, what do you need more of? Everyone is going to say time. We want more time in the day. We want to spend more time doing this. We'd love to have time over here to do that. So that's what we're going to do. Instead of saying like, I don't have enough time. We're going to talk in this episode about how to create more time. I love it. I love it. And, you know, if we really think about it, time in education, but also just everyday life, it's the most scarce resource Mm -hmm. we have as human beings. And oftentimes I personally have to think about this a lot. I know you think about this a lot, John, as well. We have a lot of people who always say, John, Kyle, how do you guys have the time? How do you find the time? to do all the things we do. And we do reflect on this quite a bit because we Mm -hmm. have to balance the things we enjoy doing, like this podcast and all the work we do around Math Moments. But then also we have our family, we have our health, we have friends, we have our actual day job work, which we love as well, right? That's why we do the work we do. And we have to be thinking about these things and thinking about, I guess, what fuels you in life? What Mm -hmm. is actually making you excited? What fuels you to do more, to feel more positive? And something I know, John, we didn't talk about this before, but something my wife's been really on lately based on some of the podcasts she's been listening to just about her own self-development and her own personal health journey. She talks about three things. She says she wants to make sure the decisions she makes in life make her feel good before, during the experience, And after Mm -hmm. the experience. And that is something that I've really started to bring into my layering of when I'm making a decision on what it is I'm going Mm. to do and when. Right. That can be really helpful for me to decide, is it worth it or is it not worth it? Is it something I don't want to necessarily do? So as a tangent here, not specifically about time, which we will get to, it's like, do I want to eat this donut? Because right now, before I eat a donut, I'm okay. While I eat the donut, it's going to be amazing. But after I eat the donut, 
Mm, night How be so am I awesome. feeling am now? I and if like, you use that filter for pretty much right. everything we do in life, it can at least make it a little easier to encourage yourself or at mm, least I convince like yourself as to whether it's worth yeah. it or not. Because I will say the donut example is a great example. We were in Denver last week, John, mm-hmm. and we, yeah, we got we some, some donuts. donuts. Yeah. A very strategic donut seller convinced <laughs> us to take donuts when we didn't want them for free because they were going to get thrown out. And we took them and then we felt compelled to leave a tip, which yeah. was significantly more than what donuts Probably. would cost. Then we were yeah. like, wait a second. I think so. We had these donuts yeah. and I remember trying to use this filter later in the day. Right. right. And and the first time I was like, I'm not going to have a donut because it's not going to make me feel better after. But then I didn't use the filter later that day and I did eat the donut. And afterwards, I sort yeah. of felt a little bit of regret, a little bit of remorse because awesome. it wasn't making me feel so great. This reminds me of another rule, Kyle. It's not the exact same, but it's in the same realm because it's not like before, but it's the 10, 10, 10 rule. We talked about it, I think, last year on the podcast, and it helps with decision making as well. It's like, if I make this decision, how am I going to feel 10 minutes from now? Mm -hmm. How am I going to feel 10 days from now? And then how am I going to feel 10 months from now? Right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. is it going to make sense now, later? And then a long time later. So sometimes that helps me with money decisions. It's like, I want to buy this thing. And how am I going to feel right after? And then what about later in this month? And then what about near the end of the year? Is this decision worthwhile way later when you think about it? Is it going to hinder us overall? Or is it going to not be so insignificant? When I think it's such a big decision now, when Mm -hmm. I think about the 10 months from now, I'm like, ah. This is going to be nothing in the grand scheme of things. I love it. And if we bring this back into, so you mentioned a tangent, but I think it's really helpful because it frames what we're going to be talking about in depth today in the classroom. And if we start with that idea, John, everything we do in the classroom, we can use some of these filters, right? Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. if we talk about the 10-10-10 rule that you had mentioned, that could be really helpful for trying to get yourself past some of the decisions that we have to make on a daily basis. Should I do this or should I do that? And if I look at these two things and I sort of think of both with that 10-10-10 rule, that might help me decide whether it's actually worth it or not. Like, do I think doing this thing is going to have an effect not only 10 minutes from now, because I think we often limit ourselves in that way. We think in our classroom and because your math block might be 50 minutes or 75 minutes or whatever that length of time, we think in minutes. Mm -hmm. And in reality, everything we do, if we sort of start looking beyond that, even if it's 10 days from now, if the thing I'm talking about and I'm stewing over it and I'm like, should I do this? Should I do more of this? If I was to even think 10 days down the road, are students going to remember this 10 days down the road? Is it going to be helpful to them 10 days down the road? Or is it going to be one of the other things that's going to kind of fall off the radar Mm. and not actually be leveraged again? Then it makes my choice a little bit easier as to, first of all, should I be spending this much time thinking about this thing? Is it that big of a deal or is it not? And if I do think it's going to be effective, then I might start thinking about how do I do this thing more often in my class, right? Right. So what you're saying, Kyle, here is that when we say we don't have enough time, 
what we're really saying, what we're really thinking is, because I think time is for individuals will choose to do different things at different times. So so it comes down to priorities. When you're talking about that, I was like, is it going to be effective 10 days from now or 10 months from now? We have to think about what is a priority for us this year or now, and it doesn't have to be in school. It could be for life. It's like when we say we don't have enough time, we're really saying we're not making that a priority right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we have to think about what are our priorities. So really, like this episode comes down to like goal setting, I think, because once we set goals, that's when we can decide whether we have enough time and whether we're choosing to use this other thing that might not fit in our goals for this year to impede on that time. Because you're right, Kyle, like we do have a set number of minutes and hours that we spend on things. And so when we're introduced to new ideas and we say, ah, I just wish I had more time to do this kind of stuff. What we're really saying is I'm not choosing to spend time there now. Like I could, Mm -hmm. I could change something in my schedule or my timeline or my goals to do that thing. But when we say we don't have enough time, we're really saying we're not making that a priority yet. Yeah, I love it. And really, I think even taking that a step further as well, it's okay if you've been thinking about the things you're currently doing and you have put them maybe through the 10-10-10 filter, for example, or you've been thinking about this, like, how do I feel before, during, after filter, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. you choose. If what you're doing currently, if you feel that that's going to be more helpful or more important then the thing you're saying you don't have time for, or you're saying you don't want to make a priority, if you feel and you've compared those two things and you feel what's happening now is more important, then you're in perfect shape, right? Like you should be saying, no, right. what I'm doing exactly. right now is actually working really well. But where I find we often get stuck as educators is like what we're doing right now often isn't going really well. And then this new thing comes in and oftentimes we hear from educators. They're like, wow, this is great. They say it's great. And they're like, this is awesome. But, and then that, but comes in and they say, I can't do it because I don't have enough time. And what we're hearing, basically we translate this a little bit. What we're hearing from this educator or many educators we've had these conversations with is they haven't taken enough time to look at what they're doing now and spend that time to think about what is working well, because there are Mm, things working mm. well. It's not like everything you're doing in the day is not working. Are there things here that we can potentially take out? Can we set less of a priority or less of a focus on that thing in order to bring this into the fold? And this is hard work, right? And I think that's really what happens is that we have to prioritize the thinking time, the planning time, the analysis, that reflection to be able to go, okay, I like this, but right now there's nowhere to put it. Well, that's because I got to arrange something differently. I'm going to have to make some change over here. So we need to start assessing where you're spending that time during your class, right? During your prep time and before and after school. So there's like a big analysis that needs to take place. And I think it can be scary for some educators to go like, oh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But I think it's such a helpful thing to start doing, to start really looking at things from a high level and sorting through where is all of this time going? Every day you have 24 hours in every day. Where is the time going? And am I okay with where 
the time is going. Yeah. And so a helpful tip that actually worked well for me and you is actually tracking that time. Those three categories, Kyle, that you kind of outlined. I got myself an easy spreadsheet. I wrote down some times that I'm spending in the day. Like you said, what am I doing during class? And now this is not something you have to do every day. This is something that you might do a couple times a week, just one week. Really what you're trying to do is you're trying to capture, because we don't think about it, like we go through our day and we do what we do, but we don't actually sit down and go, how many minutes did I spend here? And how many minutes did I spend here? And what was I doing? So something that can be eye-opening, right? Eye-opening is to track those minutes in a day. And I think one day isn't good representative. We want a good sample here. So you're going to track maybe the first three days of the week, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And at the end of the week, you're going to look back and go, where did I spend time? So specifically what worked for me, and we got this idea from Productivity Book, a book about how to make things a little bit more streamlined. Just analyze that time. So our categories right now are like, what am I doing during class? Did I spend some time? Think about some categories that you could jot down. Like when you're in class and you're tracking some time, you might say in your spreadsheet after class ends, all of a sudden, you know, I did all this one thing. Like I, from 9.05 and be specific, right? You can track some minutes from 9.05 to 9.35. This is what I did today with my students. This is the during class time. Mm -hmm. And then if you try to categorize some, it's like I did a problem-based lesson or I did a direct instruction or I worked with kids one-on-one. Maybe something that you can repeat those categories. And then from 9.35 to 10 o'clock, this is what I did. And then you also have the prep time write down the minutes. You want to basically capture your minutes. Now, I know it sounds like we're adding more things to your list to do. Temporarily. Oh my God, I have to now write down all the time. You're only doing this because you actually want to save time. This is going to be adding more time temporarily, but the goal here is to save and create more time for you. So what you're going to do is after those three days, you're now going to see how many minutes you spent in certain categories during these really important time slots in your day, during class, during prep time, and maybe before school, after school. You could also call that prep time. But what you're doing is now you're going to see, did I spend a lot of time on direct instruction while I was in class? How many minutes did I do that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I was assessing during this time or I was marking. You could even say I'm marking, right? So I'm marking on my prep time. How many minutes this week did I spend there? Just knowing the time slots or the minutes that you've accumulated over the week in these areas is going to open your eyes to seeing where you're spending time because you got to know that first before you can start to go, oh, I didn't think that I spend so much time marking, or I didn't think that I spent so much time kind of leading discussions during class. And once you do that for the week, you'll get that snapshot. You don't have to do that anymore, but what you're going to now do is go, how can I pivot these minutes into mm-hmm. these other minutes that I now want to set as a priority in my room. We've talked with teachers who are like, oh, you know, oh, having my students work through problem-based lessons at the boards, I think I can get into there, but how do I manage this? And where do I fit my practice time in? These are all questions that we try to mold, but we have to know how many minutes we're spending in all these areas before yeah. we can start injecting new ideas in. And I think even just looking in class for now, just for a moment, mm-hmm. if I track for one week, where I'm spending my time minute by minute doesn't have to be exact, but in general, we'll call it five minute blocks or whatever you want to do. How detailed you want to get is really up to you. 
I think what you're going to find is that minutes vanish mm-hmm. in the classroom so fast. And the same's true outside. That's true as well. But when we're talking in the classroom, how much time am I committing? When I look at my lesson plan, we reference this a lot in a lot of our presentations. And I think we mentioned in a keynote we did last week in Denver, where I would always commit in my lesson plan, like 10 minutes to taking up homework. And then 35 minutes later, I would start my lesson. It would always triple or quadruple the amount of time. And it took me a really long time to realize that, first of all, that it was happening. I knew every day in the moment it was happening because I'd look at the clock and go, where's the time gone? But then I never did anything about it. So then it's okay. If let's say I've committed more time than I want to some section, If you're going to continue taking up homework, we chose to kind of do that in a different way, working more individually with students a little later in the day or in the classroom. But if you're still going to do that, maybe you want to set yourself a time. You have literally 10 minutes and then anything does not happen in that block of time, it will have to happen a little later. We can't continue to just let that time balloon Mm -hmm. because what I'm saying is that this homework take up is a more of a priority than whatever else I had scheduled right. in that particular class. So I think by tracking this time, like John's mentioning here, this will at least help you figure out where it's going. It's like a budget for money. Everyone always talks about it. You have to know where your money is going, especially in today's world, because it comes and goes so freely with credit cards and with Interact or debit purchases. The same is true, or maybe even more so for time, because you don't even have to do anything. Time just happens. And if you're not doing something in it, it is gone. Mm -hmm. So trying to get a hold and get a better understanding of where that time is going. And are you comfortable with where the time is going? Maybe at the end of the week, you go, this is exactly how I want to spend my time and what I want to commit. Awesome. At least now you know, and then you can make a better choice when you start looking at making a change to say, all right, is this change going to be more substantive? Is it going to be more effective, more helpful than some other aspect of my lesson or of my day? Right, right. And and another thing to think about is watch out when you're looking for those times and you capture the categories or what's happening during these times. Watch out for like distraction time too. don't forget to record that. And why I bring that up is because when we decide what are the priorities in our day or our priorities in our teaching philosophy, and we want to make sure that we're bringing those in. During my prep time, I need to get this, this, and this done because that lines with the goals that I want for myself. And if you know that there's some distractions that come in here, because there was a book called Indistractable. And in that book, they talked about how to be less distracted in your daily life. It wasn't a teaching book, but it basically said you're not distracted unless you know what you're being distracted from. So for example, if I don't set a goal for my prep time or that section of my prep time, what happens is stuff creeps in and I'm like, oh, I'm scrolling Facebook or I spend a little bit too much time over here. And it's because that creep in happens all the time when we don't set that goal initially because we have to know what we're being distracted from if we're going to be even distracted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I love it. otherwise maybe you're going to set a time to look at Facebook during your day or set a time to spend time with your colleagues at lunch. That's a thing that you actually, we should write down. Like I 
actually purposely want to get to the staff room to sit with my colleagues to chat about the morning, to see what's happening in the other classrooms. That would be on one of my priorities. That's okay to do that. But if I don't set that, I could say, oh, I was distracted today because I did this and I was sitting over there. I could have been doing more, but we have to set those goals so that when distraction happens, like things creep in, you're like, ah, no, I got to like put that away because I've set time for that later. Mm -hmm. I'm not distracted now. I'm okay to do these things later. So basically what we're saying is you almost got to like map out what that day looks like. And then you can set time for these things you want to do later. And then that actually helps with limiting any distractions. I love it. I love it. And it kind of reminds me of a story that basically just happened to us as we were about to hit record, right, John? I'm looking. We had already mentioned last week we were in Denver. Our wives came with us. It was awesome. We had a blast. But with that, so both you and I sort of made a commitment. We were like, okay, we've got on on Wednesday, we know that we're going to be going and we're doing this keynote on the plane. We knew that we were going to use that time to help ourselves get coordinated with that. It's been a while since we had done keynote live in person. So we were like, all right, let's commit that time. But the rest of that time, when we're in Denver, we want to commit to spending it as a group and going and hiking and doing all those things. Great. Then we come back, though. I've got my day very booked up. I had it booked up yesterday. I had it booked up today. You and I had an appointment that we had to go to. And today I have it full because tomorrow I'm leaving to go camping with my family, something that, again, I've committed that time and I've scheduled it. And I get a phone call from the right local... before we're going to record here. Yeah, yeah. And I see the, the name on there. I'm like, ah, I recognize this name. Like, I feel like this person keeps calling me and I can't figure out why. I can't remember. And I pick up the phone and then I immediately remember it's the Windsor police and they are asking to have a 15 to 20 minute conversation about essentially a character background check for a former student, a great student, amazing student. I knew that I was on there as a contact And Mm -hmm, I'm thinking mm -hmm. to myself in the moment, do you have 20 minutes today to speak with us? And it was funny. I didn't realize that I was doing this at the time, but you said this because now we were on our Zoom call right before. So I heard all this whole conversation and I I didn't put mute on. We were in Zoom already. So you heard the whole thing, right? Yeah. And you said, I don't have 20 minutes right now. And, you know, he said, oh, well, really? Okay, well, I'll have to figure this out. So after you hung up, I said, you know what you just did? Because you said, I don't have enough time. And this is this goes back to any time you... Now, you're going to think about this next time you hear someone tell you they don't have enough time uh, to do this thing. Because when someone says they don't have enough time, what they're really saying is I don't have enough time. You're not a priority. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to. So when you hear that, it's like you're a district leader, you're a math coach and someone says that the teachers, because remember, we say that all the time. What they're saying is you're not a priority right now. But how do we fix that? But that's what you said to this gentleman on the phone. You're not a priority right now. Maybe later I can fit you in, but I can't do this now because I've got all these other things I've made a goal for myself to get done. Yeah, so, that so, are more important than you. Right. So I guess yeah. he could have taken, if he thought metacognitively about that, did he think about that? Probably not. When a lot of times we do think that when someone says they don't have time, that they're really saying that you're not a priority. But that's a true statement. So the question is, when I hear that as an educator now, it's like, okay, well, that pivots me to go, how can I help this person see that this is a priority? Even on this phone call, Kyle, he later said, are you sure you don't have 20 minutes for me? 
And I could see your wheels turning. He was trying to convince you that you should be setting him as a priority. We do have to think about that. If I'm in a position to help teachers see new things and new ideas, I want to help them see that this should be a priority. And how can I do that for that teacher? What are the ways that I can convince them or show them or demonstrate to them that this thing is a priority that you should be making it a goal? Yeah, absolutely. And something really interesting, too, is and something, I guess, to compare and contrast between our job as educators and the work that we do in our classroom, but then also the time we commit outside of the classroom. Something that we're hoping you get out of this episode is I hope you see that by doing some of these things, we don't want it to look like an add-on. Right. To me, this phone call This is an add-on. There's really nothing else I can do. It's not like I can replace something and add this in or swap it in. We're trying to encourage you to think of how do you swap things versus just piling on? Because I think in education, we treat it like that phone call where it's like another 20-minute task, another 20-minute task, and it just never ends. So what we're trying to get you to see is that, no, no, we don't want you to just keep on piling on these 20-minute tasks. We want you to think about where are you committing 20 minutes here and there where maybe you can use that for something else. And I really like how you said this too, John about how you make an effort to go to the lunchroom and eat with your colleagues. And I actually, in recent years, have done this because I was really bad at it. I used to use my lunchtime to try to get more and more and more and more done. And I realized it's actually not good for me in a number of ways. First of all, Mm -hmm. it's just not good from a mental health perspective, but it's also not good to build your rapport and your camaraderie with your colleagues, right? So building that relationship and kind of keeping a strong relationship, if you're happier throughout the day, you're going to be more motivated or more driven to do more in less time in these other times throughout the day. So maybe taking that 20 minutes to go and spend time there. I find when I eat with colleagues and you're laughing and you're, you know, hopefully it's not all negative. You don't want to surround yourself by negative conversation all the time. But if you can turn it around where you might have had a rough morning and going and having a conversation and laughing about it and maybe strategizing on how things can be better, that might turn your day around so that the back end of the day is a much more positive experience, which is going to give you more energy to want to follow through with some of the things that you said you would do in class or after class as you prepare for the next day. Hey, Math Moment Makers, Kyle here, and I've got just a quick message specifically for our district-level mathematics decision makers out there. Do you feel like you're spinning your wheels when making district-level goals for mathematics programming from kindergarten through grade 12, setting new goals each year only to find little to no real shift in pedagogical practice or educator content knowledge across the district as a whole? Take a moment to book a short call with our team so we can learn more about your specific district and educator learning needs in mathematics so we can assist you in taking the first step of many in the right direction. Visit makemathmoments.com forward slash district to book a web call with our team today. We have a limited number of spots for districts just like yours, so don't wait. Head to makemathmoments.com forward slash district and grab a spot in our calendar now. And don't feel guilty about making these 
decisions. Because when you make the decision, go spend time in the staff room with your colleagues. Kyle, you're saying probably partly you're like, oh, I got, I want to use that time to get stuff done so that I can, you know, go do these other things. I think sometimes we might feel guilty in a sense of doing some of these things that we really love to do during our day, but think, oh, I, I could have been doing this, right? Mm -hmm. But that's where the goal setting comes from. So don't feel guilty if you've said, you know what, I want to make that a priority. I'm going to dedicate time to it. Therefore, when you're in it, you shouldn't feel guilty because you've already thought about it. I think the problems occur when we don't have that priorities or those goals set. Like we have to consciously think about what we want and then go, how does that align? How does my day align with those things? Yeah. Similarly with you're at home, you're sitting on the couch watching Netflix. I sometimes will budget that time with my family to go, look, I think us sitting down and watching a half hour show all together is one of those kind of like building. We all laugh together. We talk about the show together. We don't specifically always set that exact time. But when I put all other things away and say, that's not actually a distraction from all the things I want to get done today. It's actually part of my day. I want to make sure that we do that because I find that that's so valuable for us as a family. So don't feel guilty about some of these things that you're like, oh, I got to use as much time in the, as I can. Just what we're saying in this episode in kind of in summary now is when we say we don't have enough time, we really need to say, how can I create more time? And really what we're saying is, how can I set my goals or how does my time reflect the goals and priorities I want for myself to create happiness and to create the lifestyle that I want and also the teaching style that I want? I love it. I love it. In summary, as we sort of wrap things up here again, I'll say it again, that before, during, after for me is really helpful. This morning, John, before we got on here, this is outside of education, but same idea. You can apply this to your classroom. We're on summer vacation right now. Woke up this morning and I knew we had a big day ahead of us. We do, but I also do personally as well for some of these other areas of my life. And I was thinking to myself, I don't really want to go on that run. But I did think about it. How am I going to feel? And in particular, how am, I know how I'm feeling now, which is I don't want to. But I'm like, how am I going to feel during in the middle of it? And mm. usually in the middle of it, you're feeling like better, right? Like a you're little. feeling yeah, in the middle, not at the beginning. Right. Like you're, the beginning is you're never only feeling better because you know you'll be done in a minute. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. You're almost you're almost there. But specifically, I wanted to think about after, because as I'm doing this in this moment, I know that I feel better that I did that already. I feel more energized. I feel like more just light, positive. And my mind's clearer. And I knew, I'm like, if I'm going to be on the computer for a while this morning, and then we've got a Q&A later today, and then something else later, oh, another, uh, like a coaching call with one of our districts, we've got a lot to do today. And I'm thinking to myself, man, the last thing I want to do is go on this run. But I know that after the fact, I'm going to feel better about mm -hmm, it. So mm -hmm. what can I do when I'm prepping? I know, again, relating it right to math class, I used to spend too much time trying to make my printables, my handouts, my worksheets look good, right? And now I realize I could have taken that time and actually thought more about what students might do with the problem so that I can be better, more nimble in the moment as students are working on the problem versus trying to make everything fit perfectly and look great and be awesome. So think of where that time is, budget that time, 
And I promise you, you are going to feel better about what you're doing with that time. It's not going to be a mystery to you as to where that time is going. And then hopefully from this episode, you'll be thinking every time when you say, I don't have time for that, I want you to start more consciously saying, like John said, I don't want to make that a priority. And I think if you say that instead, it will force you to at least think of what you're currently doing versus this new thing and compare them a little bit more rather than just dismissing something because you can't. So what you're saying is I've actually made a professional judgment, right? I'm using my professional judgment to say this thing here might be cool, but it's not a priority for me currently. And at least you're comparing and you're actually thinking and reasoning through why you're doing what you're doing. And just with that little shift, I feel like over time, you're going to naturally replace things a little bit more fluently versus sort of shutting them down and sort of dismissing them as an impossibility. And if you need some accountability or some motivation, you could hit reply on any one of our emails. If you get our emails and tell us what are your goals for this coming school year, our academy members are prompted uh, as soon as you join the academy to start your progress log, which you set your goals for yourself for the upcoming year to work towards. This goal setting is super important. This priority setting is important and sharing that with someone can be super helpful in your motivation. I know that when you say it, out loud, you now have this accountability to make sure it gets done. So mm -hmm. you can force that on yourself by sharing it with us. You can get into our Facebook group, Math Momakers K-12. Let us know your goals over in the group or, hey, tag us on any social media. We're at Make Math Moments. Let us know your goals coming this year that way. Lots of different places that you can do that. But I think we strongly encourage you to write those down somewhere and share them with another human being. I love it. And if you are a district decision maker for mathematics, whether it's an administrator, a superintendent, a director, math coordinator, keep in mind, we do have our district mentorship program. I'm telling you, John, the time we spend with our district leaders mm -hmm. and helping them think through, oftentimes it comes down to things like time and it comes down to trying to identify which areas of effective teaching practices. We often use principles to actions as a nice high level understanding. We try to put what they do in their district through that filter and narrow down like what is it that we are going to focus our time on now versus trying to do it all and help them work through what does that PD plan look like? What does it sound like? We obviously support them with ideas on what they can implement. Or if they bring us ideas, we try to help them, ask them questions and coach them along so that they can craft and get the most positive experience through that PD time, that very limited but valuable PD time that they have with their educators. So if you are one of those decision makers and you would like to uh, hop on a call with our district mentorship team, we only have a couple spots left for districts for this upcoming year. Uh, so let us know by heading over to makemathmoments.com forward slash district. That's makemathmoments.com forward slash district. And you can hop on a quick 30 minute call with our team 
might be John, might be myself, might be Gerald or one of our other team members, so we can do a needs analysis and try to get a sense of where you are at in your journey and to help you sort of envision what it will look like moving forward if we work together as a team. So head on over makemathmoments.com forward slash district, and hopefully we'll hop on a call with you real soon. Awesome stuff. And in order to ensure you don't miss out on our podcast episodes, the new ones, they come out every Monday morning, early Eastern time over here and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Also, you can catch the video version over on YouTube. Awesome stuff, my friends. Those ratings and reviews, John, lately, we've been getting at least one every week, which is awesome. Love to see more like five per week, because (laughs) guess what, John, last week, I think we had 9,000 listens across the podcast, 9,000 awesome educators in one week. But only one review and rating, and that kind of made my heart sad. So uh, do us a solid and do other educators a solid because, again, the point of the ratings and reviews is so that more educators land on this podcast and push their thinking forward. So do us that solid. And friends, if you need show notes, links to resources, complete transcripts, as well as any other resources, you can head over to the MakeMathMoments.com website. We've got full problem-based units. We've got all kinds of wonderful stuff. And of course, the show notes page is at episode 193. That's MakeMathMoments.com forward slash episode 193. All right, my friends. Until next time, I am Kyle Pierce. And I'm John Orr. High fives for us. And a high five for you. If you are a district leader of mathematics, a math coach, a math curriculum coordinator, a superintendent and principal, getting teacher buy-in for effective math teaching practice is top of mind. And plans only go so far. You can make you know detailed plans and, and carefully designed goals with clear objectives and key results that are measurable. But that can feel like it all falls flat if we can't engage our teachers in the work. Working with teachers who do not want to change their teaching practices is one of the most frustrating and challenging parts of our job. How do I help teachers engage in effective teaching practices when they keep pushing us away? If you can't reach the tipping point in mass adoption of effective mathematics teaching strategies, then it's it's likely we won't see student improvement in mathematics. We have a free training uh, an accompanying workbook for leaders of mathematics like you. Uh, the, math, the Make Math Moments team, myself, John, and Kyle, walk you through our four-stage process uh, we use with district partners to create clear, measurable, sustainable PD action plans, but more specifically on how to also get teacher buy-in so that it drives student engagement. So step one, register for this free training, get your planning workbook, um, and then watch the training. Schedule some time on your calendar so you can watch it and go through the workbook 
after completing that workbook, you're going to have a clear, measurable vision, action plan for mathematics to get more teacher buy-in, but also be able to hit your goals for the 2024-2025 school year. So head on over to makemathmoments.com forward slash four stages to start this free training.